You're listening to Because We're Dangerous, a Dark Matter podcast. I'm your host, Annie. I'm Chris. And I'm Stephanie. We are talking about episode nine of Dark Matter. And while we will talk about anything and everything from episode nine, there won't be any spoilers for future episodes. First, we'll give our quick reviews, and then we'll talk about notable elements and stuff that made us happy. And then we'll conclude with the questions we have after watching this week's episode. Now let's get started with our quick reviews. And I'm sorry, Dark Matter fans, but as a whole, I didn't particularly care for this episode. It did have some moments that I really enjoyed. I thought the main story of Four and his flashbacks was a little redundant. Maybe there will end up being a reason for it, but right now it didn't feel like enough new information to me. And that said, I did like all the scenes with Five or Six or the Android. Yeah, I have pretty much the same opinion you did, Chris. And the four stuff felt repetitive to me. And all of the secret keeping stuff felt really repetitive to me. It's like, we just had this this last episode. So it felt like we got some scenes a second time around and they weren't better the second time around. They just were the same. And yeah, there were moments and scenes that I liked, but this episode, I found it to be exceedingly dull. Clearly, they wanted to try to explore character dynamics and themes of the show. I wrote it in all capital letters in my notes because they were doing it in a really big way. (laughs) (laughs) But there was way too much walking and talking and sitting and talking and standing and talking and talking and talking and talking in this episode. There needed to be a more dynamic A-plot to provide some forward momentum to all of the talking. Yeah, I uh, agree with you guys. There were the moments that I enjoyed, which I... I'm just plucking from the show and going, okay, this is what I'll concentrate on. Like, the android and five and six and three is really growing on me, which is surprising. But overall, this episode I found very subpar. I found the four flashback scenes very dull and unnecessary. And I cannot stand one and his sudden need for vengeance. Especially when he was the one who kept preaching near the beginning, oh, we'll start over. We're like new people now. But now that he has this new information about three, I feel like his need to kill three is based more on his current feelings of, oh, I just don't like him or trust him since he lost his memories instead of, you know, his what he can't remember of losing his wife. And it just feels very childish, like a really strange motivation behind it. And it just isn't convincing for me. So we should say we did get some feedback from Lewis, who had different feelings about this episode. He said, although there were some things I had mixed feelings about, this was a really good episode. It took thematic elements and then had the crew discuss them. My first impression was that I didn't like this direction of the writers. I felt maybe they were condescending to the audience. We get it. We don't need it spelled out for us. However, it was really interesting to hear the characters' ideas and opinions on it, especially since some of them seem to have reversed their opinion. And of course, you end up wondering if their stated opinion is the truth truth or if they are just trying to be deceptive. Yeah, and that's kind of what what I was getting at, Lou. I felt like the conversation between one and two is just like the writers are hitting us over the head with these are the themes of the show. (laughs) (laughs) And the conversation with two and three also. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was actually a pretty decent scene, but I also Mm -hmm. felt like it could have been cut in half. Yeah, Chris, you and I were talking about it, and we felt that about a lot of the scenes where you're like, well, we've done this before. We don't need to spell out every single thing, but they kind of did. I liked the scene between three and two better. It felt like there was more 
give and take in a conversation there. The scene between one and two, it just felt like two was there so that one could talk. Mm. And I felt like that a lot of the female characters in this episode, which which bothers me, they were there to be an audience to a male character so he could tell us something about himself. And to be fair, one acted in that way for six as well. Uh, but I just, I want them to use the female characters more. I feel like they're not using them as much as they, they could because they're interesting. Yep. Yeah, I felt like two was used a lot better in the beginning of the season than she has now, and it's just it's it's kind of sad because I really like two and mm-hmm. Android and five. Something else that really struck me about this episode for a guy who supposedly has lost all his memories, four suddenly seems to remember a lot about his past and particularly the personal dynamics with people who should be pretty much strangers to him. I know that five told him about some of his memories back a few episodes ago. I think it was episode six, but that's not the same as experiencing them the way that she did. So it just seemed like he had way more of a frame of reference for this guy, his old mentor, than he should have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, did that whole dynamic show up when he was Googling himself? Like, what? Where did that come from? (laughs) Yeah. And then where do these flashbacks come from that does he rem- is he remembering them in such detail? Is Akita-san telling him about them? But yeah, it just the flashbacks just put in there seem to kind of reinforce what we already kind of knew about four. And again, I felt like we'd seen him before, and I was just like, well, one of them we literally had seen before, just yeah. acted by Jodel Ferlin rather than the actor playing the younger version of four. I thought they would cut it and not show us the whole damn thing, but they showed us the whole damn thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just with a different actor. Mm-hmm. Well, in case you forgot. <laughs> but I and I I have a personal bias against flashbacks. I feel like most of the time they're pretty useless. I will say the one that we got where four takes the blame for the disastrous raid, that one at least provided some new information slash information that we couldn't learn from seeing four interact with his old mentor. But the first two, I just I didn't think we needed them at all. Mm-hmm. Well, did it seem to like, I don't know, it's like, does Four suddenly remember this time when he saved Akita's life? You know, or is Akita-san telling him about it? Or, or are they just telling the audience and Four yeah, still doesn't yeah. know? In which case, I, I just, it's hard to keep track of what everybody is supposed to know, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah, because it didn't seem like Akita-san knew that he had had his memories wiped, that Four had had his memories wiped. That's true. So why would he feel like he needed to? And this is what happened when you took the credit for this bad raid. And, right. Y- you know, so it, it doesn't seem like he would just volunteer that flashback information. Mm. Good point. And why wouldn't he notice that Four was acting differently? Because I would think you would act differently if you completely couldn't remember who you were or what your right. dynamics were supposed to be. Like, it, I don't know. How did he recognize Akita-san? Because he seemed to know who he was. Maybe that showed up in his Googling is what I'm saying. Like, it I could have showed up in his Googling. I can make an excuse for that. Like, there are certain <laughs> things I can accept. But yeah, a lot of this, I don't know if it makes sense. Hmm. There was also a couple of lines. I'm trying to get all my complaining out the way and we'll, we'll move on. Uh, there are also a couple of lines though in this episode that just struck me as flat out wrong because four 
he's patching up Akita-san's back, and he says something to the effect of, if, you know, if somebody else had been here, then they'd be lying dead in the snow back there after having fought off the criminal type who confronted them in the forest. There was no snow on the ground where they were fighting, there, there right? There was a little bit of snow in some of the shots, but yeah, I get but your like, point. like, way in the background, he made it sound like he would <laughs> fall into the ice and turn blue yeah, I mean, because <laughs> he froze to death. There's a very distinct like visual that you get when you say that kind of thing but yeah, yeah. Like, why wouldn't you just change the line to like dead on the ground that covers all seasons yeah <laughs> you know you know what though i think maybe it's just a line they wrote and forgot to change but that's what i'm saying like why would nobody hear that on set and think you know we should maybe change that because we were not walking through snow yeah no no and then at the end one is talking to i think it's talking to six and he says to him, you know, four killed an unarmed man. What type of man did we bring back on board? Okay, while four killing his mentor was shocking, he was not unarmed. Dude had a huge sword with which he was clearly very skilled. And also, like, four killed him with a sword. Because <laughs> yes. if the guy was unarmed, so was four. Yes, exactly. Mm. Dude had an arm. He had a sword. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> he was not unarmed. It was the sword equivalent of a sucker punch, for sure. But dude was not unarmed. He was off guard, but he was not unarmed. How was a sword equivalent to a sucker punch? No, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> okay. He he turned around and stabbed him suddenly, which is like a sucker punch, because a sucker okay. punch is... Yeah. Suddenly. Thank you for explaining. You're welcome. And speaking of one, he, of course, told two about three this week. I was hoping he might have a more nuanced response to the situation and be able to consider the fact that they've all lost their memories and maybe that means the situation is different now, but he didn't. And I think it's fair to say that all three of us found him to be kind of self-righteous and annoying. So we're going to leave it at that. Shall we move on to to character relationship that we like yes. better? Okay. Everyone listening is like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So we had some we had some great scenes between six and five. In this episode, I, I thought. I love them so much. Me too. And it was nice to see them the makeup, but I do think it was important that Six made it very clear to Five that he thinks she would be better off not staying on the ship with the crew. Mm -hmm. But I did like how Five pointed out to him, well, look, I've already been in danger with this crew, with Wendy the android and all of these other things, and that she chooses... You know, she would still choose to stay here. And it's interesting that she prefers the life with the crew of the Raza than the life that she was living on the streets with her friends, just trying to make a buck and trying to survive. Maybe because she has people around her, although they are very dangerous. There are people like Six and, you know, even the android and Two, while she's had ups and downs in her relationship with him, they seem more of a unit and more willing to protect her and are more able to protect her than uh, the life that she was living previously. Well, but I think the point is that these people are sort of the new family, essentially. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. they, they serve the same purpose that the original group did. And since she saw her memories, I think everybody in that original group is dead now, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. true. So she literally has nowhere to go. And she knows that these people at least do seem to care enough to protect her and she cares enough to protect them so you know why not yeah yeah i think that 
this feels familiar to Five. This from her past life. This is a situation that she's familiar with. So I, it doesn't surprise me that she's perfectly comfortable keeping company with folks who may not have been the bestest people ever, but they look out for her. Mm -hmm. So that's that's good enough for her now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what two seems to be encouraging with all of her. We need to stick together. We need to trust each other because. Yeah, I mean, as a group, they're still outlaws. They still have nowhere to go, and who else are they going to depend upon? Yeah, that was clearly a big, a big element, a thematic element, a more subtle thematic element of this episode <laughs> was this i this idea of family and them needing to look out for each other. We had four referencing them as his his. I think he calls them their his true family or his real family. Yeah. At the end of the episode, he's like, "I'm going to get my throne. I'm going to deal with that family, and I'm going to you know recognize y'all." Yeah. And I was like, oh, four, you know, that was, that was nice coming from him and the usually very stoic. Yeah. It's as sentimental as he gets. <laughs> I'm going to kill some people. And uh, then- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll come back to you guys. By the way, could you help me kill these people? Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a nice moment for four. And uh, I did like that. Poor four just keeps getting played though. I'm like, why are you still so gullible <laughs> after finding out how gullible you were before? <laughs> I'm joking. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I, I will say, like, I'm glad that we got the little tag scene at the end where we found out that, oh, it wasn't actually his brother who stood him up. It was his stepmother who manipulated the situation. Not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I thought his, I believe it's his half-brother, or, mm-hmm. but, but I thought his half-brother might have been a more, I guess, strong character or, you know, I thought, oh, maybe he's a decent leader or whatever, but he just looks like a whiny mama's boy. And I'm like, I was so disappointed in that scene. And I was like... So the mom's just manipulating everything to stay in power, and yeah, I really hope Four gets the throne back now, because, I, I don't know, by the end of that scene, I was like, oh, why are you whining so much and just being in her arms, and oh, anyway. Stepmothers get such a bad rap. Yeah. I'm sure there are some great stepmothers out there, but they're always so mean I know. in movies and stuff. I know. I, I, feel, Fairy tales. I feel terrible for actual stepmothers. Yeah. I also thought the scene between two and three was interesting because they they narrow down their list of suspects for who wiped their memories and they narrow it down to one, two, and three. Though I did kind of question the reason, reasoning for striking four off of the list. Yeah, I think he's still totally capable. And I mean, a lot of the reasons seemed kind of flimsy to me. I mean, I, I guess they're going off of what they know, which is fair enough. But yeah, it seems kind of too soon to eliminate anybody from the list, right? Yeah, that was my thought, too. And I think it's because as an audience member, we know more than the characters do. But with the way that the writers keep talking about the show, you know, you never know what's going to happen, or it'll be a shocking reveal. And yeah, I think it could be anybody. So for three to just dismiss six and five and four so easily, and not also um, include the android in that, I think or someone programming the Android to do it, I think is uh, a little bit too dismissive at first. I think they were also a little too quick to dismiss the possibility that it could be anybody other than the six of them. Or seven of them. Yeah, which I thought initially, oh, it's somebody else. It's not in, you know, it's not somebody in the crew, which is still, of course, a possibility. I was actually okay with them discounting six and five, though obviously... It could be anybody at this point. Mm-hmm. I just me personally. I personally would strike them off the list, which means it's probably one of them. Yeah, yeah, of <laughs> and, course. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, yeah. I would too, but at the same time, like it still could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Still could be. And Lewis also mentioned in his email that after that scene, the android shot to the top of his list. Probably, I think he said specifically because they didn't consider her at all. And we've talked about that before. And I still don't know if even if the android did do it, if there wouldn't have been somebody using her as a tool to do so. As we saw with Wendy. Yeah. Well, now I'm kind of doubting it because in this episode, the android keeps referring to her now her feelings as a programming flaw, which is really adorable. But, and again, I've kind of mentioned this before, how much of the Android is programmed and how much of it is, you know, her like own AI or whatever that could, could have potentially wiped their memories. Who knows? It could be their building too. The Android has developed sentience and she was responsible solely by herself. Exactly. I don't know. But that that would be a big surprise to me. That would be a big surprise. Evil Zoe Palmer? No. Not in Annie's mind. (laughs) If it turned out to be her, you would think she had a really good reason. (laughs) Denial, denial. Yeah. (sighs) Annie would just be like, I'm going to turn bad with you, Zoe Palmer. (laughs) Yes. You know me so well, Chris. So it's time for the Hoye Report, in which I like to pretend that Three has a crush on one just to amuse myself. So clearly, clearly Three is very upset that Two and One got friendly. I also think that's why he was depressed and didn't want to leave the ship at the beginning of last week's episode. Sure, sure, he told Four that it was all about Sarah, but I think you, we could all see... There was something more going on there. Uh, Speak for yourself, Stephanie. That was all of us and not just in your mind. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But we learned in this episode, y'all, we learned that one apparently gave three a children's book, possibly his favorite children's book, and it made three cry. And then finally, finally, there was wrestling. Three was on top. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm shaking my head. Oh, Stephanie, how you amuse me. So, Stephanie, do you think that one gave three that children's book as a signal that he wanted to have children? (laughs) I have a sudden desire to read Charlotte's Web now. So moving into stuff that made us happy. Speaking of Charlotte's Web, I did like, (laughs) whatever. Spiders and know-it-all. Pigs on wind. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, I I enjoyed the scene of three crying while, while reading Charlotte's Web quite a bit. That was so great. Mm-hmm. I was like, aw, three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> three has feelings, and they're all for one. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> Five was also being really adorable this episode, too. Yeah. Five's goggles. And there's a really cute picture of Five wearing her goggles that I think Joseph Malazzi posted that I had, that I just love. She was just so excited about them. I know. She's uh, fine. When I saw her wearing them, I'm all, yay, she got her goggles. And of course, then she mentioned them and that made me giggle even more. Yeah, because that's a callback to like episode three, episode four, when yeah. they were trying to figure out what were the luxury items they were going to buy and she mm-hmm. wanted to buy some goggles. Yeah, that was yeah. a little uh, uh, nice little callback. They finally were able to afford all the luxury items because mm-hmm. Six got his meat Two was really jazzed about some juice that looked like some weird blue juice. And uh, three got his whiskey. So, And that was a teeny tiny amount of juice. <laughs> yeah. What looked like those uh, those things that you had in like elementary school? Yeah. yeah like those... re- it's really just sugar water with food coloring and some yeah, sort of flavor. Yeah, those juice boxes from much. the 80s or something. Yeah. And um, uh, when five pops up out of nowhere, when six is doing his workout, hey, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I found that adorable. 
Though I worried he was going to punch her in the head with his weight. I know. Well, I was worried that he was going to drop the the weights on his chest. And I'm like, five, that's not the best time. And she cannot help him pull that thing up. (laughs) Yeah. Five was so adorable all episode. Yeah. She was. And then how she's hiding in the vent at the end when Six apologized to her. And that was a really nice scene. I think my favorite thing is that Six knew where to find her and, like, knocked Mm -hmm. on the vent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, instead of her room, because at first I thought, is he at her door? But then I realized when it opened, it was a vent, which she had mentioned earlier. That's where I go to hide out. But Have we seen that Five has a room, now that I think about it? I don't know. I don't think we've seen it, but I, I think she's mentioned it. Well, she says, well, I called you a big dumb jerk later when I was alone in my room. So okay. apparently she, okay. but yeah, I love that she, he's like, you called me a big dumb jerk later. <laughs> and he seemed kind of amused by it. It's like, aw, six. And that he would miss her if either one of them left. And six got some good scenes in this episode. I thought both the, the scenes with five and then the scene that he had with one, I thought Roger Cross did a really good job in it, saying that he needed to hate the general for a while so that he would have someone to hate other than himself. Mm-hmm. Which may have saved, like, that conversation may have saved Three's life. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's true. Yeah, and the android's line to uh, Three after he was like, I don't want to have another damn robot. And she's like, oh, or that's very, that was kind of you to say. And it's another one of those things where the camera still stays on the android when she's still in the shot. And, you know, Zoe Palmer has the cute android expressions that make me go squee. Chris is now shaking her head. Damn right I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I got to get something out of this episode that I enjoy. <laughs> I'm taking what I can get. But speaking of the android, I really like the scene with, because uh, we haven't seen a scene between the three and the android together much. How would you describe my behavior, the android? Just weird. And of course, the way Zoe Palmer said that one line, I died laughing. But again, it still brought up an issue that the android still refers to her feelings as a programming flaw and that there's something still different about her, clearly, that even the android herself is concerned about or is trying to figure out since she keeps running self-diagnostics. I also really liked that shot of four kind of giving a little smile when two says that he's needed on the ship to the guards who are trying to haul him away. I liked that. Yeah, which tied in nicely to the line later when he referred to the Raza crew as family. I was like, oh, yeah, he really likes me in a roundup, I guess. So moving into questions about I had a couple for that that storyline with four. And one of them is kind of silly, but I thought it was interesting that Akita-san called him Dinka. Well, I, I looked at, um, I had to look it up because it was bugging the heck out of me. And it turns mm-hmm. out it's a Japanese term of, you know, like Akita-san, some, you know, mm-hmm. Chan, you know, all of, it's one of those um, just Japanese terms. And it refers to his royal highness. Oh. It's like a generic term. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. So that explains that because that, I was wondering where, why that nickname was there. And it made me remember that Back in episode six, I think, when five goes into people's memories, we see her in some sort of idyllic place, which I'm pretty sure is supposed to be one's childhood because she makes that comment about, you know, I've looked in the mirror and the the boy doesn't seem to look much like him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was being called Titch. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just a nickname, but we did... Supposedly, we learned that one's real name is Derek Moss, so I have questions about that nickname, Tinch, and Mm -hmm. what that might refer to, or if that means we're still missing a piece of the puzzle when it comes to one's background. Mm -hmm. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. 
And then I wanted to get your two takes on why you thought Four ended up stabbing Akita-san, which, by the way, even though I found that storyline a bit stretched out and dull, like when he stabbed him, I flinched. I, oh, I yeah. was really not expecting that. I was like, go, oh, damn. Yeah. So there was good payoff, even though I thought the A-plot was a bit long and, and dull and repetitive. There was good payoff at the end. <laughs> but I, I wanted to know, like, we'll start with you, Chris. Why do, why do you think that Four stabbed Akita-san? Well, I, I mean, I think he basically says his reason to two at the end of the episode. He's apparently determined to kill them all because mm-hmm. he thinks, I guess, I, I guess he thinks that they have all betrayed him. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Because it seems like a dumb idea to me, but yeah, but that's me. <laughs> Similar, similarly, I, I also think, yeah, that he was planning that from the beginning. And yeah, that makes more sense in the context of what he's telling too. Although I'm thinking that's not going to be such an easy road. And is he just going to kill his stepbrother after getting the truth out of him or kill the stepmom or what? It seems to be an awful lot of people to have to kill to get the throne. And then who's to say that the people he's ruling will want him on the throne? On the throne of Space Japan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do find it interesting how I suppose traditions have been carried down through the through the centuries that it's a very old Japanese influence culture. They're still using swords and everything, but they also have armadas of spaceships and stuff. So when they were talking about that, I found that a very odd contrast. My my dad did apparently <laughs> this was like his big issue with dark matter or or perhaps just this episode, I don't know. He really took issue with the fact that they're all carrying around swords. In, mm-hmm. in like an era of Bubba-like weapons. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bubba-like weapons, as we've seen, are not very efficient and need Which is what I said to him. And he's like, but still, everybody's got blasters or guns or something and yeah. carrying around swords. That's dumb. <laughs> I don't think that's quite the way he said it, but it was the gist of it. Well, and again, it's it's a little irritating. We've, we've talked on our other podcasts about the tendency to have your Asian characters to be super duper Asian. See how Asian they are? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, this is another example of that. But obviously he's, I think, just Malazzi is using Force storyline to make some some little homages to anime and, and samurai movies and things like that. Yeah, he's talked about that, but sometimes the Asian-ness is just hitting me on the head a little too much. And by that, I mean the stereotypical Asian-ness, like right. you're mentioning. And it's it's giving me a concussion. Right. <laughs> While we're complaining, why is it that anytime there's anybody, any like Asian family, they're never the same kind of Asian, but they're supposed to be related? (laughs) What do you mean? Because obviously my Asian-ness is not as perceptive as your Asian-ness, Chris. (laughs) No, but like, if this was a movie, you and I would be sisters, but yeah, like you're half Japanese and I'm half Chinese, but... I'm not even half Japanese. I'm like one sixteenth Japanese or something like that, but we'd still be sisters. Yeah, I get it. Yes. Yeah. But my point is, like, Japanese, Chinese, Korean. Filipino. Yeah, Filipino. Yeah. All the same thing to Hollywood. Hollywood yeah. doesn't yeah. care. Because I'm pretty sure that Alex Millar Jr. is Filipino, but he's playing a character who seems to supposed to be Japanese. Mm-hmm. He at least lives is from a culture that's very Japanese. Yeah. Yep. But it's Space Japan. Yeah, <laughs> Space Japan. So if we're sisters, Chris, then uh, Stephanie has to play the evil stepmother because she's white. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I think that's my role on this podcast anyway. I know, exactly. And then finally, Chris, you mentioned having thoughts to share about Two's secret, but why does she keep keeping her secrets? 
She's talking all about being honest, but she clearly does not want to spill the beans about herself. But here's the thing. Like, she keeps bringing it up to people and then, like, watching very closely what their reactions are. <laughs> and so I feel like she's nervous about this, obviously. So I think she's sort of trying to feel out what everybody's response is, maybe see what they're going to do. Because again, we've we found two to be very pragmatic. So I think this is what she's doing. She she wants to know what's going to happen when she tells them, if she tells them, is my suspicion. Yeah, but it's getting to the point where it's just ad nauseum. No more secrets, no more secrets, being honest. And I, it's almost going, no, I, know, I feel were- like, going to impact when she finally does reveal her secret. And I'm going to be like... Well, you've talked so much about it. I, it. It makes me, it's making me care less about two a little bit. And I don't want to because I, I like the character, except when it gets into these long, drawn out, you know, situations. Oh, that reminds me of, of a moment that with two that I really liked where they were, t- they were revealing Four's secret about being royalty. And I was actually surprised that was still a secret from the crew. I guess I assumed after maybe last week's episode or the episode where five went to people's memories that Everybody then knew that information, yeah. but I guess not. Uh, but, you know, they were sitting there talking to the rest of the crew about it. And I forget who, but somebody asked Five, you know, why did you tell two about it? And she's like, oh, well, she knows everything. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good line. It was a good line. And then you have three going, well, great. He's royalty. This guy, you know, he points to six. This guy's one of her mass murder. And, you yeah, know, we still don't know. What, yeah. Yeah. We still don't know what your deal is, referring to one. And the cameras looks at you know is concentrating on two and obviously she's holding everything in so it's a nice subtle performance by melissa o'neill but it's just yeah i'm like come on already i just i wanted two's background like three or four episodes ago but at the same time i feel like the the direction is maybe hitting it a little too hard where like the camera's just sitting on two like yeah she has a secret (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and i'm like she's not the only one sitting at this table who's keeping secrets because at the time one hadn't told anybody about his who he discovered himself to actually be and why he was there you Mm. know what i mean like she wasn't the only one but the direction of the scene the the camera was focusing very squarely on two yeah so i feel like they're maybe trying they're they're drawing a line under it you know what i mean they're yeah they've got their highlighters out Too is suspicious. <laughs> as we as we say, everything's a bit too much with the themes in this episode. And then it's, it's italicized and underlined. Yes. And then one tells two about, you know, wanting to kill three, but then two doesn't tell three about it in her conversation with him. So two still like knows everything, but is keeping a lot of it to herself. Yeah, she is. We also got Some tweets from Dan saying, After nine episodes, I'm starting to get suspicious of the one character about whom we've still learned very little. It's why I'm starting to wonder if they've been holding back on purpose. At least I hope. I love Melissa O'Neill's performance. I do too. I think she's doing great. Mm -hmm. I just want her to get more material than secret keeping. Exactly. Yes. I think that is true of all of us. And see, this is part of what I'm saying too. Like, it feels like they're putting an arrow (laughs) on on two, and I just, I wonder if it's... I don't know. I wonder if it's a misdirect, mm. but maybe it's not. I don't yeah. know. We also got feedback from Glenda with some theories about two, saying that given how 
easily Two is able to run the ship and, and how easily she was able to reprogram the, the android. Glenda thinks that the Raza was actually Two's ship and that the android was hers as well. And I think that's not an unreasonable mm-hmm. conclusion. Mm-hmm. I, and I, but if that's true, if, if the android is actually Two's, belongs to Two, does that then point some more suspicion in Two's direction given how the android was set up as a security measure if they came out of stasis? Yeah, and if two's the one who wiped everybody's memories. Although, what do you mean the android is two's? Why can't the android be mine? (laughs) Honey. Sorry. I want my own android. We know. We all know, Annie. I liked that Zoe Palmer retweeted somebody calling, praising her performance as Android, spelling it A N N E, and then her last name Droid. I liked that. I, I was think like, I might oh, just call it, that's start calling her Anne or something. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's my real name. Why can't I have an Android? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, that's our ship name. <laughs> Maybe I secretly created the Android and named it after myself, and that's why she's mine. You figured out dark matter, Randy. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about you. Yes. And obviously this question is going to get answered next week. But the, the big question that ended the episode is, how are they going to get themselves out of this mess with Ferris Corp, who has caught up with the crew and has disabled their FDL drive? Rut-row. Yeah, and Rut-row I, indeed. my thought was at the end, uh, too, I guess you shouldn't have made that deal. I mean, it got you out of the scrape the first episode, but I knew it was going to come back and bite him in the butt. Of course. Of course. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Send us your feedback to darkmatter at askgenretv.com. Leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. Or you can record a voice memo with your smartphone and email it to us. We live tweet on Fridays during both the East and West Coast airings of Dark Matter in the U.S. and Canada. Follow us on Twitter at darkmatterpod to join in. We're also on Tumblr as darkmatterpod. We've read Charlotte's Web, but it didn't make us cry. Because we're dangerous. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.